Loving God, we gather before your word. We ask that you would speak to us this evening. Speak to us the word that we need to hear, the truth that we need to know. Shape us to be the people that you had in mind at creation. In your son's name we pray. Amen. So we are gathered here tonight on Ash Wednesday, our own kind of solemn assembly, although I delight in the joyful noises that are happening back there. We are a group of people trying to make sense of all the trials and hardships that have come our way and sort out what living a life of faith looks like. In the passage that we just heard from Joel, God's people were trying to understand the significance of a tremendous natural disaster, locusts that had devoured everything and caused a famine. Now we understand disasters differently now. God doesn't punish humanity through tornadoes and hurricanes. But the endeavor to try and make meaning of loss and hardship, that's part of what it means to be human. The practice of gathering together to call a solemn assembly in the face of sorrow and brokenness is one in which God shows up and facilitates healing. The practice of repentance, of turning toward God in response to God turning toward us, that is one in which God shows up and facilitates healing and wholeness. Ash Wednesday, in particular, is designed to bluntly remind us of our mortality. One day, the hearts in this room will stop beating. Our bodies will be laid to rest, and these muscles and bones will return to the stuff from which humanity was made, dust. Now, maybe you're thinking, wait a minute, I don't really want to think about that. I want to hear some good news, something encouraging and hopeful. Life is hard enough as it is. Maybe you've lost a loved one recently and you don't need any reminders about how short life can be. So how is this knowledge that our lives are short and that one day we will return to dust? How can that be good news? Well, if life is short, that means our choices matter. It means we don't get an endless amount of chances to fall in love or pursue a dream or take that trip, read that book, or reconcile with that family member. And this is such a countercultural idea. Our society tells us that our options are endless, that freedom comes with more and more choices, that we can manage and control and kind of tweak the circumstances of our lives so that we can, in fact, do it all. It is such an attractive, appealing lie. Because if our choices do matter, then we can make bad choices. We tell our kids all the time, make good choices. We worry about doing the wrong thing or taking the wrong path. And then when we do, inevitably, do the wrong thing, when hurtful words fall out of our mouths, when we turn our backs on those who need help, when our stubbornness and pride lead to loss and pain, when we look back at our lives and feel regret, when all of that happens, the guilt and the shame can be overwhelming. And what's worse, sometimes even when we try our hardest to do the right thing, we end up doing the wrong thing and causing hurt. So what are we supposed to do? If life is short, if our choices matter, and it often feels like it's impossible to do the right thing, then what, what are we doing? The season of Lent 
has some answers to those questions. And today is the beginning, the entry point to the season of Lent. It's a season that for so long and in so many Christian traditions has been tied to restriction and self-denial and wallowing in shame. We begin to walk with Jesus through the stories of his ministry on earth on the way to the cross. For so long, Lent has been about identifying with the suffering of Jesus. For many of us, it's been about doing acts of penitence and repentance, confessing our sins and asking for forgiveness. But if we limit our observance of this season to just those things, we fall into the same trap that the Israelites had fallen into in this passage from Joel. They saw these disasters happening around them, and in their fear, they tried to appease an angry God by rending their clothing, showing their grief. They were trying to make an outward showing of grief and regret over their sin. It was very transactional. If we do X, then God will do Y, and all will be well again. But in this passage, God urged God's people, return to me, and God urged them to rend your hearts, not your clothing. Now, repent means to turn or return. Repentance is the act of turning away from sin and turning toward God. Rending your heart means expressing the grief and regret that's held inside. It means God doesn't want us to go through the motions. It means God is not a God of transactions. There's no formula of ten torn garments equals immediate seizing of a tornado. That's a little hyperbolic but we still act this way with God. God didn't want a transaction with the Israelites. God wanted a relationship. A relationship in which the Israelites knew and trusted that they worshipped a God who loved them and cared for them, even in the midst of tragedy and loss. Return to me, God says. Rend your heart. Let it crack open and let me hold the broken pieces with you. See, Lent is not about transactions either. It's not about beating yourself up or not eating chocolate so you'll feel appropriately guilty about Jesus Christ's death on a cross. Lent is about taking seriously that Jesus suffered in order that you would know in your suffering that you never walk alone. Never. Lent is about turning toward the God who made you, the God who has already turned toward you, and rending your heart, breaking it open. Lent is about meeting God in the wilderness of our grief and shame and allowing God to do the slow work of mending our hearts and healing our spirits. The good news of Ash Wednesday is that no matter how short our lives on earth may be, The God who created us accompanies us every moment of every day in the small delights and in the deep sorrow. Our lives are short. Time slips through our fingers, and yet our lives still matter. Return to me with all your heart, God says. It matters to God that we live in relationship with God, that our days are grounded in grace and gratitude. Turning toward the love of God, that turning It matters. It has a deeper and wider impact than we can imagine. 
And we find this love in the words of scripture written down and memorized and sung and whispered and shouted by our ancestors in the faith. We find this love in families of faith and relationships with others. We find it in nature as we remember that the same God who designed the trees and wildflowers designed us too. We find this love in the presence of God, the grace of Jesus Christ, and the comforting and challenging guidance of the Holy Spirit. From dust we have come, and to dust we shall return. In life and in death we belong to God. Thanks be to God.